Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mission Driven You podcast. My name is Will Sampson. I am a change coach and a social scientist. I work with mission driven entrepreneurs and executives who want to do well and who want to do good in the world. And so I'm so delighted that you tuned in today to this podcast. And I'm really delighted to share this voice with you. Dr. Miluna Fausch is the author of Uplevel Your Communication, Evolve Your Presence and Speech to Change Everything. And boy, did we talk about changing everything. We talked about archetypes of communication, the power of communication, how to find your voice. And so if you're looking for both skills, but also inspiration to communicate and show up better in the world, you've come to the right place. So I'm excited you're here today, and let's get started. Well, welcome, Dr. Lillifash. So glad to have you. It's my pleasure. Hello, hello. And you know that we focus a lot on interdependence, how we help each other succeed. So we always like to jump off with a question about the story of your interdependence. Someone who kind of made a difference for you. It can be a person. It can be a group. Somebody who... When you look back on your story, you can't imagine being here without. We love the word interdependence, don't we? It's not codependence. It's not independence. It's a dance. One of the groups, communities, it's, it's an actual church or temple, has made a huge difference in my life. This was back when I lived in, I think, Orange County, California. And I was in a meeting. Pardon me. It was Los Angeles. I'm saying it backwards. And someone said, I do marketing for a goddess temple in Orange right. County. I said, what's a goddess temple? <laughs> and I was so intrigued being on a spiritual path and studying religions and faiths and practices over the years. I drove to Orange County and I ended up in an industrial complex near John Wayne Airport, believe it or not. And I entered this space that was absolutely extraordinary. You walk in this pretty nondescript building into a temple full of statues and colors and richness. And it was a ceremony or a ritual. And it was so full, chairs were taken, there were pillows on the floor. I sat on the floor and I thought, I'm not sure what this is. I hope I'm not doing anything wrong. I don't know what to do, but I feel at home and I'm intrigued and I've never felt this kind of respect as a woman. And so I became a member and the founder is one of my dearest friends. The art of having a community believe we're all one and you can come in your own faith or no faith you believe in a bigger purpose, and we believe that the divine feminine is a creator. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not a, a male patriarchal sort of viewpoint on the world. That changed my life. Mm. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. It's it's it is interesting what's possible when we invite bigger questions into our life and we imagine something bigger than the story we've been given. And so I really appreciate that story. I love that story. <laughs> Thank you. And so I want to get into the book. I want to talk about up-leveling our communications. But I know for you in particular, there was a, there was a moment, there was an event. And so I, I want to start there with sort of the, the, the health scare that you had, the, the, that big event, and how that changed you, how it shaped you, what you learned from it. And then we can get into the book after that. My wake-up call 
come to Jesus, go to Buddha, whatever, call in all the spiritual teams, every, every ally living in Los Angeles. Now this had, this was growing in my head before that. So big dramatic moment. We discovered a benign bone tumor this big Mm. right here in my head, right in my ear, into my brain lining, my face became paralyzed. And so most of us don't go around thinking, got a tumor in my head. I had dentists say it's TMJ, nothing to worry about. Really upsetting when I think back that no one actually looked or paid attention to what was happening. You can see the growth on the side of my head in pictures. I was at... Well, we lived in Burbank, so I ended up with Dr. Karen. I don't remember her last name, but I think she's still in practice. And I said, Dr. Karen, I don't know what's going on. Is this spiritual growth, emotional? What is going on? My face is paralyzed. I'm losing the hearing in my right ear. She said, this is physical. This is serious. You need an MRI, and I will schedule one for in the morning. Wow. Wow. And so there it was. And that explained everything, as you can imagine, because I did have a feeling of airheadedness. I know, don't say it. (laughs) Vertigo, equilibrium, eye drooping, mouth drooping, can't, can't chew properly, can't really eat, constant tearing. I'm in trouble. I thought, my gosh, can I still be a musician, a singer, an actor, a coach? Wow, losing my hearing and having a paralyzed face. So, burst into tears. Then I got a hold of myself because that's how I roll. Called everybody I know and I said, I don't know if you believe in God or or any sort of spiritual thing, but I'm going to ask you to pray because I need I need help. This is serious. And I got busy planning how I was going to handle that. And how did that change? I mean, to me, that's a story of incredible personal empowerment like how did you take control because so often we get we get blindsided by things that happen to us medical issues you know psychological trauma things like that that we didn't see coming and for many even some of the people i coach that can be that's just the end of the story well that happened and i couldn't do anything about it and it was over how did you how did you take control how did you take take control of your life take control of your health care what was what did that look like for you Yes. One important thing is I never said, why me? Mm. I hear people say that, and that's almost for me in a communication realm. Well, then why not them? Or is it okay for someone else? I think we want to be very mindful of that. It was me because I chose some big lessons in this lifetime. I know I have some big sacred contracts in place. It was there to teach me I had to take care of myself. I had to get rid of my self-anger. I had to move beyond my abusive birth family and all those people that said, you can't do that and you'll never amount to anything was a favorite of my mother. So we see that the wounds that that causes. And I called on all my holistic practitioners I even called in a feng shui expert. I changed my name. I realized I needed to lighten up and change my resonant frequency. I spoke with the surgeon that we ended up hiring at the house ear clinic. 
phenomenal place in Los Angeles, St. Vincent's Hospital. They only operate on ear or head. That is their specialty. I actually said, Dr. Slattery, what kind of music do you like? And I believe he said classic rock and roll or something like that. I said, well, can we play that in the operating room? Because I want you so happy when you're in my head. <laughs> right. I want you right. so happy. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to request that you and the nurses and everyone in there, because I had three, three neurosurgeons in my head. I know I'm dramatic. And I want to ensure nobody says anything while I'm under anesthesia, the most suggestible time. Right. I said, could I ask that you say things like, wow, Maluna, this is looking good. This is going so well. We are removing this. You are healing now. Now, Will, I can't tell you if they did that, but I believe that they honored me. There was no ridiculing of my deep beliefs. I began to walk every day. I began to write the script of my life. I ate more organic and even more healthy. I worked out. I did absolutely everything possible to prepare. And I knew I wasn't done. I believed I would not die on the operating table. I believed my work on the planet was not done. Wow. That is powerful. That's a powerful story. Mm. And what has happened? We're going to, we're going to come back. There's a couple points that I want to come back to in the overall story, but like, how has that experience changed the way you show up in the world changed, you know, sort of what you think is your contribution to the world? How did it change you? It changed the way I think about communication, which is what mm. I say my business is. Right. It amped that up to be so important how I spoke with the doctors how they spoke with me. And Dr. Slattery was an excellent communicator. He's actually in my book. He was a very, very clear communicator. When someone, or let's say a nurse, would come into the room and say, here's a pill I want you to take. Well, I would say, what's that for? Right. Well, this is for, I think one was for constipation, <laughs> a little bit of a joke there. And I said, I'm not having that. Right. I don't need that. Well, we need to speak with the doctor. And I would say, do you want to speak with the doctor or shall I? Wow. It became yeah. so important for me to be that strong and be my own advocate because our healthcare system in the, in this country, the United States is right. based on illness, right. not wellness, not healing. I had to advocate to go outside. They did not want me to go outside. I realized later it was because of liability issues. I said, I will not be suing you. I will sign a paper. I was so incensed by that. And I realized because I had literal drains coming out of my head, I right. didn't look, I maybe look scary to some people. See, I didn't care because I was alive. I didn't care. Right. But the hospital staff had that viewpoint. And well, it hurt my heart. It hurt me so bad. I realized most of my friends had flew the coop. They were fair weather friends only right. because we're not comfortable with mortality or death or illness. What a shame that we don't understand that and have language. It just amped up how important I think our communication is. Mm -hmm. And Spirit said to me, you're not done with show business and you're not done with some of these things. And I got more training. I became a medical intuitive. I got a PhD. It just furthered my education. 
But the niche and what I do just continue to be narrower and narrower to work with leaders on intentional, purposeful, up-leveled, heightened communication and presence. I love that. It's interesting because I don't know many other people who had an experience of changing their name in adulthood. I actually did as well when I was 30 years old. And so I'd love to hear that story. What, what's that story? Why And why was that important to you? Oh, thank you. My birth name is Melinda. And it okay. wasn't that I didn't like that. People right. say, well, what's your real name? Again, that's not the correct question. What's your birth name is right. the correct question. And I was using Melinda Titus Fausch as my name and my stage name. And the feng shui master said, it's too heavy. And I said, oh, I began walking and meditating and doing things. And Luna came to me, the goddess of the moon. I am the sign of cancer. We're all about high, high emotional intelligence. I'm ruled by the moon, as most of us actually are in some cases. And then it just became actually the me part was do, re, me, believe it or not. People don't know that. It was a musical term. And when I said Luna, and then I said, oh, me, Luna, that has music and rhythm and grace and flow and beauty. And that's how it became me, Luna. I love that. I love that story. That is such a great story. And it has it has such a depth of meaning and, and the word that the story itself and now your name itself is part of what you communicate out into the world. And so I love that. And, and we're going to talk about communication. I do want to drill down on one other idea that you brought up because it's something that's been important for me. And you know, a lot of the people listening to this are mission driven. They're trying to figure out how to, you know, do well and do good in the world. But this idea of social contracts, which you brought up before, I want you to spend a little bit of time on that because, you know, it's it's important to as we try to grow in the world, as we try to make a contribution to the world, oftentimes it's these social contracts, these these things that we got maybe from, from our parents or our grandparents, things that we got from our culture. What are social contracts and why was it important for you to feel that you could move beyond them? Yes. It's for me, it's sacred contracts that we agreed to before we came back in another incarnation. And the social contracts are the, is the conformity. We're, we're taught to identify with the, with the physical, right? The body identity, not our spiritual identity, not the 80% of who we really are. So as a woman, I was taught you'll get married and have children. And I thought, well, I don't know if I'm going to do that or not. Right. Maybe I will and maybe I won't. Right. I literally had someone say to me, the purpose of a woman is to bear children. I thought, oh, you did not just say that to me, but he did. Right. And so, <laughs> wow, 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 wow. I think it's probably, a, let me say it this way. I think it's a daily practice for those of us moving through our contracts and the big things we've chosen. And why did we choose that? To learn who we are and what we're here to do. And so on a daily basis, I challenge my small little thinking and my little ego protector that says, oh, this isn't working. Oh, who do you think you are? Why are you doing that? Why are you spending time on that? And Will, I just, and to our listeners, I just got to the point 
No kidding. Three or four months ago, I realized I had never spent a considerable amount of time because I'm an achiever, I'm a driver, I'm a manifester, really understanding what makes me happy. I was raised, you work hard and you go to church and school, get married, have kids, and you live a small little life. Happiness was never discussed. And so with my coaches now, I'm working on, does that make me happy? Does that lift my energy? Does that strengthen my voice and influence and impact in the world? Or... Am I going to stop doing that? (laughs) I'm here to tell you I've stepped down and resigned from several things recently. (laughs) Right. I love that. I love that story. And it resonates well with my experience, Maluna, because I I think like you, I'm, I'm sure we have some similar backgrounds. And I always had this sense that everything was supposed to be hard. Yes. Like, oh, I got to work on it. I got to grind it out. I got to. What if we just had fun? What like what what could we do in this world if we just said everything that we do should be we should enjoy? Like how would that change our perspectives? It shifts everything, doesn't it? It does. If we will give ourselves permission to be in joy and happiness. Of course, we're going to expand everything: our business, our money, our love. Everything right. will get so much better. Right. <laughs> I love that. So there's a particular event this traumatic event. And now you're taking your background as a musician, as an actor, as a coach, and now helping people up-level their communication, which is the title of your book. And and we'll put a link to the book in the show notes, but unpack the concepts in the book for us. It's up-level your communication, evolve your presence and speech to change everything. Tell us, tell us about the book. Tell us what we need to know that's in that book. Yes. Chapter one is the story. Some of you've now heard it, so you'll read about communicating with compassion and how to do that for yourself and others. There is a book on archetypes, my archetype system. There is a chapter, Delight Your Audience. Yeah. A chapter on build real, my word is real, relationships. I love to make up words. There's a lot of words that I make up and create in that, in my book. And by the way, let me let me share with all of our audience here. Yes, you can change your name. And yes, you can make up words and create things. Please, <laughs> please do that. I give you permission right. to rock your world. Yeah. At the end of each chapter is, I guess I have three three master questions to go deep into your own life. Am I doing that? How can I turn up my voice? How can I build my business? The voice is your brand, in my opinion. It's deep, meaningful work. So I want the book to be self-help, not shelf help, as I heard somebody right. say. I don't want you to put it on yourself. I want shelf. Right. Please read it. Doesn't matter where you start, start any chapter that grabs you. Write in the book, take notes, make it your own, refer to it. It's for executives, it's for business owners, it's for anyone who wants to be that leader that they know in their heart and spirit. They're meant to be here. You're here to contribute and in a much bigger way than you probably know. I love that. 
And yes, I think they can start anywhere in the book. I want to start with the archetypes. I know in previous conversations, we've talked about your archetypes of, of communication. So tell us what those are and how they impact the way we communicate. I discovered or figured out, channeled the four archetypes based on my training with the goddess temple and in the goddess tradition. Now, Ava, who is the founder, taught four archetypes. Typically, there for women, there's the maiden, the mother, and then the elder. What that does is remove the most powerful time phase of a woman's life, which is the queen phase. Mm. So she taught me the maiden or the young girl. I'll use, I'll use the feminine example first. The maiden, and that's whether you give birth to a physical baby or an empire. Right. The good queen who manages her realm or empire for good, and then the elder or the wise woman. Mm. And it's the same for men. So the maiden voice might be a little higher pitch. It might be faster, higher energy. It's what I use with my girlfriends. It's what you might use if you're teaching little kids. You want to bring in that joyful maiden voice, the mother voice, the kindness, the unconditional fierce love of a mother. Maybe you need to let someone go at your company. You're going to call on more of that mother, maybe a little softer. It's going to be a kind voice. The queen voice, little more impersonal. You run the board meetings like this. It's a more of an even pitch. You're the one that needs to show up as the leader and the credibility. And you must be able to state that and state the value and the vision for your company. Then the elder, think of it as the grandmama, the crone, uh, the wizard for the men. You've been on the planet long enough to figure out a few things. <laughs> right. So that could be your storytelling voice. That could be, there are so many possibilities, but that's the elder wise one. Maybe that's your case study voice, bringing in a little bit of that particular right. archetype. Yeah, I love that. And are they, are these archetypes, are they age bound, experience bound? Like, how do we know when we should be using what, what voice? They're in us all of the time. Yeah. What I do with my clients is I create a custom archetype for specific scenarios. Each aspect of that age period and that quality of life, and they're associated also with directions and elements. Okay. They're in you right now. The little boy's in you, the father, the good king sovereign, and the grandfather's in you right, right. now. Right. And it's always a mix What's appropriate when? What am I led to do intuitively right now? Yeah. And it's bringing up all the dynamics and the range that you have, which which is so unlimited. Right. I love that. I love that. I love that thought, too, that the range is unlimited. So often we feel like either a voice is small or for me, I feel like, well, I only have this voice. Like I can only communicate in this way. But the reality is I... I have to communicate in all of those ways throughout throughout the day, throughout my life. And so kind of learning to to think to think that different way and to, to really finding my authentic voice that's right for that moment is actually really important as well. Yeah. So I love that. You talk about becoming a confident and powerful speaker. 
Let's talk about those two concepts, confidence and power. Like what's important? Why are those important? I mean, obviously, but, but how do you help people find confidence and power, you know, in, in this world? Confidence to me is the person who knows who they are. Mm. They are self-developed. So we've done every personality test known to humankind <laughs> and we've had readings and we've, we've dug deep into who we really are. When we are confident, we are steady. We know the value we bring. We know the contribution that we're here to make. We know the purpose of our business, both micro and macro. What am I really here to do? Right. No one wants to hear an apologetic speaker. So, for example, let's say I walk on stage and I'm not really standing up tall and I start with, well, I'm really nervous and wow, I hope I get through this. Right. What? <laughs> I've lost you already. Why would right. why would anybody want to listen to me? No, it's it's not right. it's not okay. I find that people turn down their confidence or whatever they do. I don't really want to be seen and heard. We're afraid to be seen and heard. We apologize. We make excuses. We fall all over ourselves. What if we did in, did this instead? If we were in our own personal power, we had prepared, we had practiced, we knew exactly why we're speaking right now, and we were humble, but not false humility, which is what people turn down and do. When we go up into the head and get self-conscious, we are not connected. I have left my body. My pitch might go up. I lost my train of thought. Now I start speaking with ums and ahs and so's and likes, you know, right? Filler words, repeating myself, clicking on the PowerPoint. And none of that has anything to do with my inner voice that just wants to express right now. That's the magic. And if we'll get out of our way, and I start with the intention, where people want to go with their voice and influence and impact, and help them get out of their own way. That's really what I do. Right. I love that. <laughs> and, and I know you use the phrase a resonant voice. Is that what you mean by that? Like helping them find their resonant voice? To me, I have such a strong auditory sense, as you can imagine, in my business. Sure. Our voices carry a resonant frequency. And so if, if I'm down in my throat or I'm holding back, I'm not in my full resonance. I'm not in the full frequency or the biggest expression or the healthiest, healthiest, easy for me to say, voice. Yeah. I think we're designed to fully express. And what do I mean by that? If I start to whisper, it's actually very fatiguing to my vocal folds here. Right. So what that says to me is, no, we're supposed to be full on. For some of us, that means really loud sometimes. I still practice being really loud to, to remember that I can and that I have the whole range. And so when... I help someone and when they begin to understand that voice at a whole nother level of dimension and resonance, everything changes and the voice becomes rich and deeper and we can feel it. Yeah. Talk us through maybe the typical, and I realize no client is typical, but talk us through sort of the typical journey of a client who comes to you. Like, who are they? 
And how do you how do you walk them through? What's the journey they walk through in working with you as someone who's going to help them up level up level their communication? Yes, a lot of the folks are in senior management. They want to move up to C suite, or they want to be promoted within C suite, or get a new job that's better suited to them elsewhere. A lot of them are more engineering folks, more introverts, so. They want to have more ease. They definitely want camera technique. They want to move beyond the stumbling and the filler words and feeling stiff. A lot of them want more ease and flow, a better way to say that with clarity, especially in American English. I have a lot of folks who are born in other countries. Now it's not accent reduction. That is not what I do. It's being understood and being at the level of influence you want to be. It's how to make a presentation saying what you need to say. What really matters in that presentation? How do they prepare for the presentation? How do you do a 30-minute versus an hour? How do you know what to speak about? How many slides or pictures? And how to tell a story? As you can imagine, it's also how to connect to the audience. Some of them need help with choreography. What do I do with my body on stage? And of course, on a big stage, it's different. If you're virtual on camera, it's different. You need to know the sensibilities. Some folks want to media interview better. How do I show up on a podcast better? Some folks literally want a voice. I had at least two men who wanted more gravitas in their voice. They wanted to build a deeper, more masculine, sexy, powerful voice. Yeah, I get that. That's great stuff. And yeah, you know, because I I think, you know, I do a lot of work in the tech space and a lot of my clients are tech entrepreneurs and yeah, they, um, you are needed, (laughs) please, you know, whoever I can connect you to, I would love to, you know, speaking of entrepreneurship, a lot of the people I work with and a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are people who I describe at the intersection of doing well and doing good. And so they want to do well. They want a profitable business or they want to, you know, succeed. They want their, even if it's a nonprofit, they want it to, to, to uh, be sustainable, to be resilient, but they also want to leave a better world behind. And I know that you're very motivated by this and sort of the way you think about helping people find their voice has a lot to do with, you know, helping people find their voice for good. How do you, how do you help people find their voice for good? It comes from a place of their own energy, that inner authority, and helping them refer more to that in their intuition. So when I work with a client, it may literally be that I will suggest three or four ways of saying something. That's one of my superpowers. I can hear the resonance of what needs to be said. And then I will say, Now, Will, go try that on. Go test that. Which word is your word? Which way feels the most natural and easy coming out of your mouth? Yes? We work on mindfulness practices, meditation, being still. And I say that you're still and caffeinated at the same time. So I'm able to stand very still in the microphone, this, I learned that this from singing and acting, yes? Right, yeah. And yet you feel so empowered. That energy is flowing through you, but you're in a very calm 
state at the same time. You know why you're here. You know what you're here to say. And you're turning up that resonance so that you will have the most impact for good. So it's mostly our delivery. But in shamanism, our words are literally magic. So I invite us to think of every word we literally say. Does, is it big enough? Meaning, does it resonate high enough? Is it confident enough? I don't mean literally long and big, but is really right. that the word? We get out the dictionary. Do we need to look that up? What's that word really mean? Do we understand what it means? Is it intentional? Is it purposeful? Do you feel bigger when you say it? Yeah. So thinking of doing good in the world, when you say that, do you feel bigger? Those are the keys. Those are some of the keys to knowing if your voice is, is starting to shift and amplify your mission, your movement on the planet. Yeah. What I, I love so much about what you just shared. Here's one of the things though, that, that I really, that really uh, stuck in my head as you were describing it is I imagine people come to you because they want technical skills. I want to be able to look technically know what to do when I'm on a podcast or when I'm on a zoom call or when I'm in front of an audience. And yet I also heard you talk about the work of the, the work of the spirit, which is the meditation, the, the grounding, the finding yourself. How important is that work, the work of the spirit to having a resonant, authentic voice in the world? Absolutely key. Because once you get the technical down, once I show them how much eye contact on camera, as you said, all those technical things, how long do you really need to prepare and practice? And, and it's a little different. It's very concierge work and custom. But once we gain the confidence with the technical parts, oh, she said to be on camera 93% of the time, that allows us to relax into our spirit and who we really are. So there's a reason we rehearse for 16 weeks before we put up a show. We rehearse with the costume and the high heels and the lights and the microphone. And we've, we've, gosh, we've studied voice in my case, since I was seven or eight years and years and years, I still have a voice coach in LA, my own coach. Once you have that foundation now you can be in the moment and free to fully express because you know what the heck you're doing and you knew how to prepare and get here. And now to me, you can be that divine expression that only you can be. Yeah. And does that relate to delighting your audience? I think it does, but like, yeah, it sure does. Thank you for yeah. asking that. Yeah. How many folks do you know never have fun? And, and <laughs> too many, unfortunately. Too many. I believe we right. alluded to that earlier, did we not? Right, right. Some of my clients, I had a couple, I literally had to teach them how to have fun when public speaking. Because if you're not going to have fun public speaking, please don't public speak. It, right, because nobody's going to have fun listening to you, that's for sure. <laughs> it's not going to be any fun, is it? So maybe you right. find someone else at your company. If you don't see yourself doing this in a fun and meaningful way, delegate it to someone else. Because if you're not enjoying it, we won't either. We won't be touched. Right. I love that <laughs> thought. I absolutely love that thought. 
One more question from the book. I want you to unpack this idea of relationships because I think that's also a really interesting concept. Tell us more about what relationships are and another great word that you've made up. So, so unpack that concept for us. For me, it's a place for humanity that we need to go. And I believe that we are, but we're at a very important reckoning point. Real relationships means that you want to speak to and resonate with the best clients and customers for you. Not the most, probably not quantity, but quality. It means that you want to spend more time asking those deep questions and getting to know them. And are you actually the best company for them? It means moving beyond nothing but tech and moving beyond transactions because we're all tired of transactions and feeling like we don't matter. We're tired of calling a company where you're on hold for 20 minutes and you're switched three and four times and you repeat what you said three and four times. And for the life of me, I cannot understand why companies will not make that front and center. Hire people who love customers, you'll train them in what they can do, give them the, give them the authority to take action and do what the customer needs and make it right. This is real relationships. Your customers and clients stay with you because you take impeccable care. You know what they want. If you can't help them, you send them to who can help them. This is a whole nother level that humans are actually designed for if we'll move from the fear and the competition and the aggression and the, I got to get mine because there's not enough to respect and honor and consideration and abundance, real relationships. I absolutely love that. So imagine that you're an entrepreneur and you were early in your entrepreneurial journey you're, you've got an idea and it's just on your whiteboard right now, or you're three months in or you're six months in, you've been writing code at night, or you've been, you know, trying to get people excited about this idea. What should those individuals know about up-leveling their communication? How can communication help give them the entrepreneur, the, the, the voice they need to bring people into that entrepreneurial journey, which is different. I work with entrepreneurs, but I also work with a lot of corporations and, and the entrepreneur's journey is very different. So how can they uplevel their communication? It is very different, isn't it? I would encourage folks to, in the middle of all the marketing and all the things you're told to focus on, you're going to get so many opinions and they'll never stop. <laughs> I have people telling me what to do on a daily basis, whether I ask for it or want it. <laughs> it's just right, what's going right. to happen. Go within and go to that happy place and the place where you expand, not contract. Make sure that your voice is always principal in your branding, in your description, on your website copy. Now, yes, hire folks to help you. But make sure that if someone says it needs to be in this word and it doesn't feel right to you, don't you dare change that word, yeah. especially if you've looked it up <laughs> and you're at thesaurus in your dictionary and you spoke right. it out loud and it felt so right, then don't change it. I want your inner voice to be number one. I know most of my life I put other people's voice and opinion above my own and I have paid the price dearly, the consequences. 
I'd invite folks to write down what do you want your voice to say? What does your company stand for? And what words could you use that express what you just said and what you know in your heart? Yeah, I love that. You and I both know Vishen Lakhiani and in his book, I think it's in the Buddha and the Badass, he encouraged you to find the words, the, the value words that you want to be seen as, in, you want to show up as in the world. And I've really, that has been just such a critical exercise. So I love that idea of sort of reaching deep within you because it's so easy. It's certainly true for executives as well, but certainly with entrepreneurs, it's so easy to get wrapped up in this idea of what, is, what should I be so I can raise capital, so I can sell my products, so I can be whatever, so I can achieve some goal outside of me. But it's really not until we have a goal, until we know what we're meant to be in the world that we can actually show up. Wouldn't you agree? I love the way you said that. It's the should, isn't it? Who should I be? Who you should be is who you are. Your job is to grow and be the very best version of yourself. So the question is, who do I need to be? What resonance do I need to be to have everything my heart wants, every desire put in me, use every talent I was born with? That's the question we need to be asking. Who do I need to be today to just be glorious? Yeah. And just oh, self-love and self-appreciate. Do you like that word glorious? I love that vision. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the word glorious, just like I love the word delight. It's just, those those are words that we don't use enough. And I want to bring them back in. They're so uh, glorious, glorious. You know, growing up in the very strong religious tradition, we like the word glory, like glory. That was a, that was an exclamation of something important, religious glory. And I, I just, it resonates into, with something so deep within me. So I'm going to ask you one final question. And this one's a really big one. And then I want to, I, I want to be sure to give people a chance to find you in the world after that. But I want you to imagine that world leaders or influential people are listening to this and they have the opportunity to be really gripped by this idea of up leveling their communication, understanding their archetypes, delighting their audience. In engaging in real relationships. Mm-hmm. And I want you to imagine, say, 15, 20 years into the, into the future, how could the world be changed by people who took your message seriously and really started up level their communication? That's a huge and delicious thought. I believe our voice is a pathway to wellness. It's another aspect of ourselves. We work out, we drink water, we eat correctly for us, we think great thoughts. If I use my voice fully, it's healthy, as we mentioned. If I don't hold back and I'm full on expressing, and whether that's your spoken voice, your singing voice, you go so crazy, you have to dance it out. You you write. Maybe you're more of a written voice person. So you're writing books. Your voice is changing everything because your voice, especially at a high frequency resonance, joins with everybody else who's doing the same thing. We have lifted the frequency on the planet and in the galaxy. That's what I think. That's what I feel. That's what I want for us. Yeah. Oh, I love that vision. I love, love, love that vision. Thank you. It's truly 
glorious to bring to bring that word back into the conversation again. Um, so people are going to be listening to this and they're going to want to know how to engage with you. How do they find you in the world? How do they find you on the web or on, on the Internet? My two favorite. And of course, Will will share this. My website. It's my name. It's my brand. MilunaFausch.com. Also on LinkedIn, that would be my favorite, working with executives and professionals. Those would be the places I would start. And I invite you to connect with me in however you want to speak up, reach out and touch. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, Dr. Miluna Fausch, this was a wonderful conversation. It certainly delighted me. I think it will delight the audience. And I appreciate your presence and amazing thoughts. Thank you. You are so welcome.